0: Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go.
1: Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love, Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more
0: details. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
2: Hello, Heather Knight. Welcome to some podcasts
3: (laughs) hello it's good to be back on your podcast the big event and thanks for coming on my podcast the San Francisco City Insider
2: this is a crossover podcast um, which for the big event listeners probably isn't much of a shock because you're on the big (laughs) event like every other time. But for City Insiders, this is probably just blowing their mind. Yes,
3: Peter Hartlob. You have never been on my podcast, which we'll have to rectify. Yeah, just
2: don't give me the lightning round. (laughs) Um, We're doing a joint podcast because we do Total SF together.
3: Yeah, we do lots of weird things like ride munibuses and make It's It costumes. And last week we showed our first movie at the Balboa Theater. It was a great night. We're starting a series of San Francisco-filmed movies, and our first was So I Married an Axe Murderer. And you said it's a
2: great night, like, like it is a great night. It was awesome. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. We had a sold-out theater, and like...
3: People were, like, clamoring to get in, yeah. and there were all these signs covering the windows, sold out, like, don't even ask.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know how it's going to be with Metallica and the <laughs> symphony, but um, there were people just... It sold out quickly, and people really wanted tickets, and it made us think that... Um we need to do this again. Yeah, for sure. We need to do more movies. Um people seem to really like it. And I thought like the special added experiences were big too.
3: Yeah, so if you have not seen So I Married an Axe Murder, you should, but um, to explain, he it's about a Scottish family in San Francisco. There's bagpiping, there's haggis, so we had to have both of those at our movie night. We had a real-life bagpiper, <laughs> Lynn Miller of the House of Bagpipes played this song, which I recognized from Dead Poets Society randomly, up the aisle of the movie theater and then played in front. And we also interviewed the original bagpiper from the movie, Jack Cunningham, and then we ate haggis. So
2: yeah, It was great, and um, I thought it was so cool. We put together a little reel with a bunch of archive photos, and um, they were just playing with music, and I thought they were going to shut off, but they kept playing when the bagpiper came up. So this bagpiper comes up, he's a San Francisco guy, and you're just seeing all these images of San Francisco in back of it. Yeah, there was
3: like the Doggy Diner Head, Harvey Milk, um, Old Theaters, Candlestick Park, it was great.
2: Yeah, so awesome, awesome night, and we also... Recorded a podcast.
3: Yeah, just in our spare time between bagpiping <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> eating haggis.
2: Tribute to the Richmond District with a few guests that mostly you wrangle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so um, it was fun. We did the podcast in the lobby of the theater, so it was really loud if you hear popcorn popping. That's <laughs> yeah. why. Um, but we interviewed um, Adam Bergeron, who runs the Balboa Theater. And Kevin Hunsinger, who until recently owned Green Apple Bookstore and is opening a cool new museum about San Francisco memorabilia. We also had supervisor Sandra Fewer, who was awesome. She we, was so great. She was so yeah. fun. She had lots of good stories about riding on the back of her husband's motorcycle <laughs> for 80% of the trips she takes around the city. And I did not know that she used to be a cocktail waitress at the Tonga Room. Yeah. And then we also interviewed Sophie Hayward, who is uh, formerly of the Mayor's Office of Housing and now a consultant working on affordable housing issues while raising three kids in the Richmond District. So she was really fun to talk to. Yeah, we
2: missed her husband, Bo Hayward, but uh, he sent me a nice little text afterwards. He was stuck at the Planning Commission. Yeah, that's a good reason. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and Audrey came on, too. We roped her in, too. Audrey was a huge part of this night. So um, she gave such a great speech and welcomed people and um, told people to subscribe. So uh, I think... Thought it was just a really great night. So tribute to the Richmond district. I love this district. When I moved back to San Francisco in 1999, I lived in the Richmond district with my aunt Susan Leal and um, just got to really know it. It's got a throwback vibe, it's got a charm. I love the people.
3: Yeah, I love that neighborhood too. You can raise a family there. You only need a cool million dollars to buy a house. <laughs> yeah. um, lots of good restaurants. You can go see a movie at the Balboa, buy a book at Green Apple Books, go to the beach, ride the Five Fulton easy access to Golden Gate Park. There's just a lot going on there that's really nice.
2: Yeah, like 37 Irish bars. (laughs) Um, Love the Richmond. So tribute to the Richmond District. And this is the big event. And
3: San Francisco City Insider crossover episode.
2: Crossover episode. Thanks for listening.
3: Welcome to the podcast, Supervisor Sandra Fewer. Yes, hello. Thank you for joining us. So you were just telling us that you made the Balboa Theater a legacy business?
4: Yes, I did. I love the Balboa Theater. Actually, I grew up in the Richmond, so this is one of those theaters, and also the four-star. Do you you remember
2: your first Balboa experience? What was the first movie you saw here?
4: Oh, I can't even remember. I mean, I am 62, so it was a very (laughs) long time ago, I think, but I can't even remember. I'm so sorry. Were you born in the Richmond District? Actually, I was born in Chinatown at the Chinese Hospital. And when I was two years old, we moved out to 16th Avenue between California and Lake. We were the only Chinese family on the block, and we bought the home from the only Chinese family on the block. Oh, wow. That's
3: awesome. So you've lived here ever since then?
4: Yes, um, maybe a year in Oakland, and then had to come back here because we were actually driving back to the Richmond to go to the hardware store, all of our local stores. So we just said, might as well move back, and so we did.
3: And you raised three kids here, right? Yes, I
4: did. So my husband was raised here also on 41st Avenue, and I was raised on 16th Avenue. And so the Richmond raised us also, but they also raised my three children. And I have three children. My oldest daughter is 36. I have a da- She lives in Stockholm, Sweden. I have a daughter who's 33, who lives in Oakland. And then I have a son who's 27. He lives in Hong Kong. How, how wow. is
2: it? How has it stayed the same in the Richmond, and how has it changed in the years you've been yeah, here? Yeah, I
4: know a lot of people say that the Richmond seems like it hasn't changed, but it really has. And I think since, um, you know, we grow gradually. We're not a district that grows abruptly, but we grow gradually. And it comes pretty organically. And so, as I said, I was the only Chinese family on the block on 16th Avenue, and we gradually started to see more Chinese folks move in, but it was a real big deal when the Clement street restaurant came to Clement Street and my father didn't have to run down to Chinatown to get dim sum anymore and I knew that was like the start of something but we have a large Russian-speaking population and that grew very organically just as the Chinese population did too we started to see more Russian speakers come in we saw more Russian stores now take over and so we now we actually have a little Russia area and I think it's unique to San Francisco
2: did you, did you go to... You volunteered your age. Um, I didn't ask. <laughs> it's okay. Did, did you go to Playland at the beach?
4: Yes, I did. G- give um, me a
2: Playland memory or So two. when
4: I went, it was a little like a ghost town there. Yeah. But actually... Um, so it was a little eerie. But we used to go down there for the hot house, And I think I ate my first pizza pop there, which is actually a hot dog rolled in a slice of pizza. I know it sounds oh. crazy, but actually it was really good. And um, so by the time I was able to go down there actually of age. It was already sort of a ghost town, you know, but my husband who lived on 41st Avenue said he would hear laughing Sal from his bedroom. And I went to that um, fun house all the time, actually, for birthday parties. I was rather scared of some of the things. They had a human record player that was this big wooden disc that would go around and round and kind of spin you off, and it's amazing that no one broke their arm, or maybe they did, but never heard about anyone being sued from there.
2: Supervisor, we have fun. Photos of that at the Chronicle. Oh, in our you do. Archives. So I'll, I'll be sure to share that. And an it's it. Did you ever get an it's it at Playland at the Beach?
4: Um, no, I didn't. But they are one of my favorite desserts.
2: Because I'm just saying, if, if I were running for office in San Francisco and I had an it's it at Playland at the Beach, that would just be on the front of all my flyers. No, no. exactly.
4: You wish that you had a photo of yourself eating it. Actually, yeah, what's yeah. your favorite flavor? Um, I like the plain, just the regular one. Actually, yeah, vanilla. Yes, yes yeah. the that's vanilla. a good
2: choice. Good choice.
3: Cool. So um, I usually see you at City Hall and what is it like to cover sort of an under the radar district that's not always in the news like the Tenderloin or the Mission or some other neighborhoods that seems to get all the attention and money from City Hall? How do you advocate for the Richmond?
4: Yeah. uh, I think that's a really good question, Heather. So what we've looked at in the Richmond is really um, us as a community. And it is true that when we talk about affordable housing dollars, my district has only received about 3% of all affordable housing dollars. But again, I feel like what's wonderful about the Richmond is that when I come home, I really feel like it's a home. And I think if you ask anyone that lives here in the Richmond, they will say the same thing. They're always happy to come out here. Yes, it is foggy. Yes, our Julys are very very gray but there is something about this community here you will find that a lot of people who live in the Richmond are very much like me they have lived here for a very long time and they have a deep affection for this neighborhood
3: what are the biggest complaints you get from your constituents? What do they want from City Hall?
4: my goodness. I think from City Hall, what they would like is, are there streets to be repaired? Actually, I hear a lot about that. They say, what about the potholes? And, you know, my husband was a police officer for 35 years, and his last nine years, he was a solo motorcyclist. So I would say about 80% of the time, I am on the back of a motorcycle. So I feel every bump, and I feel every pothole, and I know they are dangerous. And so it is... um, It is quite a feat to actually get those potholes to be filled. I had a campaign early when I first won, and with Mayor Lee, and it was called Fewer Potholes. And so for one month, I had public (laughs) works come out, and they actually filled 400 potholes that were reported by my district. And so um, we hope to do that again, uh, Fewer Potholes 2.0, because actually after a rain, we're finding out here there are a lot of potholes.
3: Very clever use of your name. Thank you. (laughs) So I don't know if you know this, but we subject all the politicians on this podcast to a lightning round.
4: Oh, no. (laughs) I hope it doesn't include my weight. Okay. No. No.
3: (laughs) What is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito?
4: El Faro's.
2: Nice.
3: What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco?
4: I don't know. Um, Let's see, this is lightning, right? That means fast. Um, My favorite movie in San Francisco, Um, I would have to say Mrs. Doubtfire.
3: Good one. Very good choice. Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink?
4: Oh, you know what? I don't drink. Um, gee, that's a bummer. Um, but I will say that I was a cocktail waitress at the Fairmont Hotel in the Tonga Room, Ooh. and oh, nice. I always think that's kind of fun. That's awesome. We're learning all sorts of new things about you. Yeah,
2: riding on the back of the motorcycle that is, is the one that got my. That was awesome. Did you ever
3: ride on the back of the motorcycle to cocktail waitress at the Tonga Room? Um,
4: no, <laughs> I don't think I did actually.
3: And 38 Geary, love it or hate it?
4: I I wouldn't say love, um, but I like the 38 Geary because actually, um, one, it serves my district. Um, All the people who ride it, I mean, we're over like 106% over capacity for the 38 Geary. Very well used line. I just think that um, I appreciate it. I think we have it.
2: We should all agree that we don't wake up in the morning looking forward to getting on the 38 Geary. (laughs) But we appreciate it's utilitarian. No, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah,
3: cool. And we were also wondering if the Richmond District has more mattress stores per capita than any neighborhood on the planet.
4: <laughs> well, actually, they're closing. <laughs> we closed a big one. Um, we actually, oh. That's actually where I bought my mattress. Um, so, yeah, we, it's crazy, right, that we have so many mattress stores. Um, gee, <laughs> we closed one. I think there's still another one on 10th and Geary, but, yeah. <laughs>
3: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you. Thanks Thanks. for
4: inviting me. Thanks for coming out to my hood.
2: Oh, thank Thank you. you. Ready? Three, two, one. Welcome to the Balboa Theater, uh, the big event, and City Insider crossover podcast, (laughs) Heather Knight.
3: Hello, thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, this is awesome. We're in a theater.
3: (laughs) Yes, first time recording our podcast in a movie theater lobby. Yes. And today we are here with Kevin Hunsinger, until recently the owner of Green Apple Bookstore, and Adam Bergeron of the Balboa Theater, and you two are partnering on a new and exciting adventure. Can you tell us about it?
1: Uh, sure, we've uh, we've created the San Francisco Cultural History Museum, so um, trying to uh, uh, acquire, archive, and exhibit San Francisco cultural relics to a clamoring public.
3: What are some of the items you have so far?
1: Oh, the stripper pole from the Knob Hill theater is a good one. What springs what? to mind immediately? I we guess didn't this, know about this that. is an over eighteen show, right? We can sure, talk about sure. things like that. We that's just great.
2: slap a little e on it for explicit, <laughs> and, then, and, then the, and then when the kids are going to soccer practice, they don't listen. That's yeah, great. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful.
1: Well, Adam and I were brought together by the Merchants Association in the Richmond District in advance of last year's Playland Not at the Beach auction. And they thought it would be good to get small business owners together from the Richmond to uh, acquire as much as possible and protect the articles from Playland at the beach and keep them in the neighborhood uh, that you know they came from. So we thought it was a wonderful idea, um, but quickly... Thought about springboarding those objects into a greater san francisco project so that is our nucleus we did go to the auction we acquired some fantastic artifacts that are off in the corner maybe adam can tell you a little bit more about those
3: yeah for listeners who are not here can you describe what you've got here in the lobby adam
1: well one of the things we we have the the ballot
5: box for miss playland 1969 <laughs> uh-huh. where you would actually cast your vote uh, and we and we I've actually seen but don't have uh, the poster for the concert after that from which I'm hoping to get, which is a, which was a family dog concert down at at the end of Balboa Street where Balboa meets with the Great Highway, and uh, and so there's there was a Miss Playland 1969 concert that included Country Joe and the Fish. Uh, wow. It might have even been Big Brother in the holding company with Janis Joplin was on that show. Um, there is there is a, a bumper car uh, from Playland that's actually been a little. It was it was kind of refurbished uh, by by a local auto body shop. Uh,
1: there. Do you have the worker uniforms on display?
5: I, I have one of two worker uniforms. There's a there's a smock that you wore when you when you ran the roller coaster rides. Uh, we have one of those. Uh, we have a, a, a Letterman's jacket, a,
2: a Playland Letterman's jacket. So, so Playland Seaside Amusement Park, um, a lot of history, was sure. demolished in the 1970s. Where is this stuff coming from? I mean, is it just like in people's attics and they give you a call or are there are auctions? Is there a... I recently saved um, a, a, a large archive from a, a
1: San Francisco resident who recently passed on. This was my last large outbuy with Green Apple Books, where I had gone to people's homes to buy their, their books. Well, the executor of the estate uh, was going to literally throw out this guy's life work. He was a, a gay rights activist, he moved to San Francisco in the 60s. And in his home, he had hundreds of hours of VHS tapes from the, the various parades and protests through the years, as well as maybe 150 pinbacks, you know, from the, uh, you know, all the different gay rights. They would have the, the king and queen or the duke and duchess of the parade. So and and uh, the the local bars and things would sponsor and, and, and you know, rally around, uh, you know, the um, the, the nominees so these were going to go into the garbage you know if I hadn't have been there and said hey wait a second you know we've got this project in 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 the works these would be extraordinary things so um, we're having a chance to look at the the videos uh, and then I'll work with the GLBT Museum to make sure that they find a, a final home there so one of the, the, the great things uh, about this project is being able to work with the community so closely and the other small museums in San Francisco
3: a lot of people feel like San Francisco, as we know it, is slipping away, um, but you guys seem like you really want to preserve these um, mementos. Why Why do you want to do that?
5: You know, I, I think it's, it's funny because San Francisco is going through a lot of growth and change right now, and a lot of it is really positive, but but there's, there's kind of some collateral damage that happens and a lot of things go away in a time like that. And I think 10 years from now, if we're not careful and preserve and really take care of the things and a lot of the things that right now are from these crucial periods of San Francisco in the 60s and in the 70s when, when San Francisco was the hub of a lot of of the world for a lot of things then they're just going to slip away and we're all collectively going to look back and say oh wow I wish, I wish I still had that and so that's it feels like a key time to to, to sort of reach out and grab things as much as we can and, do, do and keep them that, safe
2: Do you see that and with the theater and the bookstore is is there kind of a split? I mean, you've got people who are, have nostalgia and maybe came to the Balboa as a kid, and then you've got to also get new people in here, and I think the bookstore's got to be the same way. Yeah. Is there kind of a constant balance going on, um, giving people something here that they know and that they've had for a long time, and also kind of luring in that new crowd?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, there's an example that I use all the time. The the Great American Music Hall is probably my favorite venue in America, but I'm only going to go there if the band that I really want to see is playing there. And when I'm there, I'll have an even better time because I love the venue and the band. And so you have to stay current. You know, you can have a a beautiful old structure and you can have a beautiful setting, but the the events have to be current.
1: And on that note, uh, you know, I I I think that right now is a very unique time. The first time in history we're able to use modern technology to uh, share the stories of the past directly with a younger generation that's more attuned to devices. So uh, while we want to have the aesthetic of our museum be more like a cabinet of curiosities, much less chrome and glass, but more chip funky wooden feel, you know, like a Green Apple Books or like a Balboa Theatre, we will be able to utilize, um, you know, um, app software. So if they see a poster from a a play, maybe be able to have excerpts from that play on their phone and, uh, you know, GPS enabled, um, you know, information. So uh, it's a really unique time right now to be able to bridge the gap like never before.
3: And until recently, you were a co-owner of Green Apple Books. How has that bookstore not only survived but thrived? It's really a part of San Francisco and of the Richmond District in a time of Amazon and all these mm-hmm, other, mm-hmm. you know, online shopping.
1: Well, without a doubt, uh, you know, the, the support of our customer base for all these years. And Green Apple is extremely unique in its used book operations. That store was being created and still is every single day by the customers that come there. It's, it's, it's an incredible symbiosis that I've never experienced anywhere else. Um, and in addition to that, you know the my partners at the store, Kevin and Pete, were always forward thinking. Every chance we could to try something new, we would try something new. And if it failed, we would uh, move on. You know, but we were willing to take that risk and and uh, and challenge ourselves and constantly push the envelope. So uh, an extraordinary partnership there and and a, a great approach, I think.
3: And how long have you lived in the Richmond, Kevin?
1: Uh, I've been here close to thirty years.
3: Why did you move here originally?
1: It's just a real true neighborhood. Uh, My first neighborhood was, uh, I lived at 14th and Valencia uh, in 1990. And uh, you know, that's when the Valencia Gardens were still there. That felt like a very genuine neighborhood, I'll tell you that. Um, But once I got into the avenues, just uh, something about going to sleep at night with the windows open to the the foghorns and, and, uh, and knowing the people on my block, you know. Uh, I know half the people uh, on Eighth Avenue now, and uh, and I love it. I still, you know, walking on Clement Street today, uh, seeing people that I haven't seen in, in a little, you know, bit of time. They're they're on the streets. The people who are in the streets um, live in the neighborhood, and, and it's just greatly rewarding. I love that neighborhood. Yeah.
3: What's your favorite restaurant in the Richmond District?
1: Mm, that's a good question. You know, the Richmond Republic Draft House seems to be the closest and most <laughs> friendly. Uh, I do like what they're doing there. Uh, There's so many little nooks. King uh, of Thai. King of Thai is uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Thai time, though. Had lunch from there yesterday, so that's another good one. You almost can't go wrong. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Any good burritos in the Richmond district?
1: Uh, yes, there is now. Uh, Los Mayas. Uh, there, there was a little taqueria uh, on California and 6th Avenue, but that's uh, since gone away. But yeah, Los Mayas is quite good.
2: How's this bar across the street, Hockey Haven? Ever since Heather and I Uh-oh. came over here, we're like walking by Hockey Haven, and I'm like, I'm I'm totally because there's no windows or anything, so it could be like the greatest bar ever or I could go in there and it could be like serial killer and I could get yeah. it's slapped. the greatest bar right ever. Right it yeah. is it's
5: a it's a real it's deal good. local bar and it's a fantastic bar.
2: Okay, do we have any Richmond residents here? You, Hockey Haven, anybody endorse it? <laughs> oh yeah. Right. It's,
1: and it's the ho-ha, by the way. The ho-ha, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound ha, like an yeah, outsider. Yeah. affectionately known as the ho-ha. The yeah. ho-ha, very cool. What, what great bar needs windows? <laughs> I, I yeah, that's, that's true. That's and a I'm strike not, against yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely, definitely.
3: And how do you survive all the fog?
2: Willingly. Yeah, <laughs> I love
1: it. I adore it. It's my favorite part. Adam?
2: Yeah, who needs the sun? Yeah. <laughs> so, what like in Empire Strikes Back when Luke goes to the Dagobah system, Yoda, you're like, I want to live there. That's like that that's yeah. that's my neighborhood. That
1: looked a little humid for me, you know, a little bit warm. I grew up in Texas, so I love the
2: cool. You know,
3: yeah, give right. me the cool,
2: cool. I like it. All right.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on our podcast. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: tribute thank to you. the Richmond District, and thanks for uh, keeping the Richmond District awesome and um, and. Hope to have you guys on again. Great. Love to Great. be here. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so for much. doing all that you do. Thank, Thank you.
1: you. Thank you. Thank
6: you so Sweet. much. That was a Thanks lot of fun. Guys.
1: Great
2: question. Welcome to the the big event City Insider Crossover, Heather, is that right? Crossover episode, yes. Crossover episode. Um, we're here at the Balboa. We're showing So I Married an Axe Murderer and <laughs> about 20 minutes I bagpipers
3: eat. have arrived
2: bagpipers are here I'm gonna eat haggis <laughs> and you're uh, really
3: excited about that
2: but but this is also gonna be a tribute to the Richmond district yeah. and we've got some great Richmond district guests here yes starting with a friend of yours
3: Sophie Hayward welcome to the podcast thank you so I first knew Sophie at City Hall when she was in the mayor's office of housing now she is a consultant working on affordable housing issues but her big claim to fame is raising three children in the Richmond District. That's why you're here today. And a dog. And, <laughs> and a, dog. a dog. And a husband. And a
2: husband.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Audrey Cooper, editor-in-chief of the Chronicle. Her because I don't live
0: in the Richmond District, but I have opinions about how Sophie lives <laughs> in yeah. the district, so.
3: She also is the number one super fan of So I Married an Axe Murderer and bought us some amazing shirts that we're all wearing. Quotes from the movie.
2: Yeah, Audrey, can you explain the shirt and where
0: you got it? I just flew back from Washington DC this morning, and I was getting so many stares at the airport with people staring at my shirt trying to figure it out. It says the Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders, (laughs) who of course run the entire world, including all the newspapers. So really, we're wearing like company logos.
3: (laughs) So how long have you lived in the Richmond district, Sophie?
6: Uh, we first moved to the Richmond District in two thousand eight. My husband and I grew up in the city, so our, but we've been oh, here. Oh, you both for born and raised.
3: Yes. Wow. What neighborhoods did you grow up in? Uh, uh, Cow Hollow and Pacific Heights. have okay. If you've heard of them. Vaguely. No. <laughs> I can't really afford those places, but I've heard of them. Nor can we. <laughs> <laughs> and what brought you to the Richmond District? I think your last answer might have given us an idea. <laughs>
6: We could afford our flat (laughs) on 14th Avenue Uh in 2008. And then uh, when we wanted to have more kids, we moved to 29th Avenue.
3: Okay. And um, so there's three moms raising kids in San Francisco sitting right here. And the city has a terrible reputation for raising kids and famously the fewest number of kids per capita of any city in the country. So why are you guys doing it? Why are you raising your children in San Francisco, and why, I assume you like it.
6: <laughs> I love it. I would never leave. Once you, once you get a foot in the door, it's
3: worth staying. But the Richmond
6: has everything you need. It's got Land's End to run them outside. It's got the donut shops on Clement and Erie. it's got Giorgio's. it's got indoor play areas, it had High Five until recently, High Five Sports, I don't know if you've met Murphy, the scary mascot there, um, it has Lincoln the Balboa Park. Theater. it has the Balboa Theater, it has the Four Star Theater, it has Angelina's for your coffee needs, and recently... We got Fiorellas and Violets and Pearl for, like, when you have a date night.
0: You're like a walking Yelp review <laughs> <laughs> I, love
3: this place. I also never leave the Richmond, so really? it's totally cool. <laughs> Are there whole weekends where you just won't leave the Richmond? Yes.
2: I live on Alameda. I can relate to that. It's it's like if I have to leave the island, I get anxiety. Um, yeah, but, it, but raising kids, I mean, San Francisco, it's got that reputation. Audrey, what's your experience been? I mean, is it, has it... Has it been as rough as everybody says it is? No,
0: but if everybody wants to stay away so the lines are shorter at the Academy of <laughs> Sciences on the weekend, I'm cool with that, too. I mean, it's a great place to have kids. There are The kids here, I think, um, are more urbane, obviously, so they have different interests. Um, you know, for Mike, my, my kids, sort of, um, I call him my indoor cat, and he's a little, <laughs> like, into historical um, non-fiction I don't really know where he gets that it's very strange um, but it's so great there's so many places to expose him to so many libraries to go to so much history in the city and like every time we go to a new neighborhood he just you can see he gets more and more excited it's really a, div- a, div- a diverse place both in what interests him and also the people he's exposed to
3: and speaking of children, you and Beau have a claim to fame, your husband, which is that every year you have a child, the Giants win the World Series. Oh, uh, yes. And so I think maybe you should consider going for a fourth. Yeah, this is already
0: a rebuilding <laughs> year. That means, Sophie, get to
3: we, We've actually
6: closed up shop. We have passed that baton right on. So the Giants <laughs> are Best never going to win another World Series? Is that what you're telling us? Yes. <laughs> yes, that is what I'm
3: telling you. Yes. We're
2: done. Three, three's good. Three's good. I'll take the three. That's
3: a wrap. Yeah. And you and Bo have both worked in one way or another with City Hall for years. So if you could fix one thing at City Hall, what would it be? Uh, no matter
6: how many times I go there, I cannot find a public restroom on the ground floor, so I would improve the signage okay. at the ground floor.
3: And what about the way government works for residents? Yeah,
6: don't let her get away with that. <laughs> oh. oh.
3: <laughs>
0: we could give you some ideas <laughs> if you need some. I
6: mean, honestly, my from my perspective, but I I was inside baseball. It's just filled with hardworking people trying to do the best they can. So any organization with that many people, sure, there's going to be some bureaucracy and some hiccups. But you can always find the person or the people who are just trying to do their best.
3: Yeah.
2: Bo's not here, but I'm. You so can let's answer make fun of on, Bo then. Yeah. No, no, I <laughs> want you. He's at the, the planning commission, actually. <laughs>
6: that's, that's,
2: do you do you think he could use his lobbying skills to get a subway in the Richmond District?
6: There is a subway in the Richmond District. Oh, not the I'm sandwich sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you meant the sandwich shop. <laughs> I was thinking about the planning commission and formula retail. No, I want like I, I want like
2: a BART,
0: yeah. That is, that is yeah. such an urban planning response. I love that. Wait, we allow urban retail or formula retail. Formula here. retail. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would
6: love to see a subway out here. It, I'm I'm sure it would be a big battle. I'll be I'm up for it. Yeah. In the meantime, I would sure like that Geary bus rapid transit lane. Yeah. yeah.
3: We were also going to ask Bo about, uh, apparently he has a connection to So I Married an Axe Murderer. Do you know about this? That his dad's house, I think, was scouted to be the family's house in the movie? Yes, so that
6: means my husband's childhood home was almost in (laughs) So I Married an
3: Axe Murderer. I'm practically famous. (laughs) You are. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast tonight. It was fun to have you.
6: Yeah,
2: thank you. Thank you, Audrey. Thank you. I think I have to make this haggis. Uh, yeah, he's just, uh, he's just uh, I'm so totally eat
0: delaying. I'm totally delaying the haggis. The oh, pan. good, you got I your beer.
2: You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and thank you to our guest supervisor Sandra Fewer. Kevin Hunsinger, Adam Bergeron, Sophie Hayward, and Audrey Cooper. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com Chronicle Podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www dot dot com slash podcasts with an s.